Hello and welcome to the J-Rod Sports Pod. Me, James Robson. And me, Ollie Dix. So today we are going to be looking back at some of the latest sports news and headlines that have been happening over the weekend. Primarily focusing on football, the NFL and the NBA playoffs, which have been heating up as the weekend has progressed. Obviously, we've been doing our J-Rod Tour Pod with Ed Grisdale and me and Ollie. Uh, looking back at the day's stages in the Tour de France and tomorrow we're going to have the F1 pod with our special guest host Sam Corti as well. So lots to keep a look out for but let's jump straight into this conversation that we're having about the latest sports news and headlines. Right now Ollie let's start with the biggest news probably of the weekend or the biggest talking point of the weekend so much so that my mum rang me up yesterday and was like tell me where Lionel Messi is going to be playing football. So, Oli, can you answer that question for me? <laughs> Barcelona. Barcelona. The, 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 there's a lot of rumours that are going in and out, and we can like talk about some of those things, but ultimately, Messi was supposed to say that he wanted to leave, if he wanted to leave, before the 10th of June. This was a stipulation that was in his contract. And so La Liga have come out and said that Barcelona are very much in their right to keep Messi and only sell him should his contract clause amount be triggered, which is north of 700 million euros. So the interesting thing for me is that that contract was obviously written pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, I would have expected that COVID would have changed that. I mean, obviously, like we've spoken a lot with regards to Major League Baseball, with regards to the NBA, uh, about contract renegotiations that have been happening. And it's surprising that this hasn't been the case with football, even though the season has gone on longer, because all of the football that Lionel Messi would be playing for Barcelona in a regular season would have been finished by that date. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's why the date was what the date was. But... There was no change in the contract. There was never any renegotiation. I think he was probably at that time quite happy with everything that was going on in Barcelona. Obviously, we've seen a massive, well, the turmoil that's uh, taking place there. And so that was what he wanted to, why he wanted to move on. Messi has not reported to Barca's pre-season COVID testing and therefore cannot join the team's pre-season training. So at the moment, he's kind of boycotting a little bit to try and move things along. But I think the big thing to remember is that even someone like Messi is probably not bigger than the club. Marginally, but still probably not bigger than the club. And I think it'll be very interesting to see if this boycott of his works. And I think Messi's always sort of been the darling child of the Barcelona fans you know they've always absolutely adored him but if I you know if you know anything about Barcelona football fans they are exceptionally passionate and it doesn't take much for them to turn on people and I can see a situation where Messi loses the fan base loses his support at which point you know that's a difficult situation to be in if you're Lionel Messi. Oh, 100%. I think we've seen in football that there's there's no too great a thing that you can do for fans to forget everything that you've done for them in the past. 
Um, and and look, whether it is like eight hundred million, seven hundred million, even if it's the Barcelona originally said that they wouldn't accept anything less than the two hundred and sixty million that Neymar went to PSG for. There aren't many clubs in the current financial climate that can actually afford that. A club, given his salary as well, would end up spending the best part of like three quarters of a billion pounds, for example, Manchester City, on buying Messi and then Messi's contract. And yeah, it just. I think there's a lot more that needs to be sorted and organised before we get some breaking news that Messi is suddenly heading to Manchester, for example. Okay, and then moving on to other football news, because whilst it is hard to believe, there is other football news that's going <laughs> yeah, on. There are other teams. Uh, Chelsea have signed Ben Chil- has signed Ben Chilwell from uh, Leicester for £50 million, and Thiago Silva from PSG on a one-year deal that can be extended to two years. Um, that's if Chelsea fancy it. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting deal. That well, I suppose they've because we we've discussed that he wins wherever he goes. Yeah, apart from what? the Champions League final. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. I think. Look, he didn't look out of sorts in that Champions League final against Bayern. He didn't look out of place against Lewandowski, and I think actually, look, if he can have a good year this year, like he's fine, and I think. Yeah, I think he's still the player that he was um, in times and he definitely has more than two years left at that top level. What's interesting is, so being from Leicester myself, even though I don't support them, I think you have to admire what they've done financially. Over the last two years, they've sold three players for almost $200 million, $200 million, $200 million pounds, who actually cost them just over £17 million, which is, as far as raising funds, is as good as you can get. And I think that they're trying to change the perspective of things. It actually, they've gained more points each season. And when you sit outside the financial elite, that top six, selling is a sign of sense, not an admission of weakness if your recruitments were right and I think they've shown that actually their recruitment is good yeah I think it's it's an interesting thing for Leicester because obviously they don't have they don't have the big name they don't you know you, every, anywhere you go in the world you'll be able to find a United fan anywhere in the world you'll go you, you'll be able to find a Liverpool fan yeah not so many Leicester fans kicking around out there and so they've gone well the way that we are going to be able to compete with these big teams is by being sensible with our assets, yeah. which are our players. And I think they know which players they want to hold on to. Like, I think they just signed Jamie Vardy to a new deal as well. And actually, that's someone who, two years ago, he could have quite easily gone when Mares went, when Drinkwater went, you know, those kinds of players that actually, even Kante, you look at them now and I'd say Drinkwater and Kante probably lost out in the long run, moving, and Mares. I don't know he's won enough to probably say that he's happy where he is but when you're on the bench most weeks it's never a happy time for a footballer no um do you like that Chilwell signing for Chelsea I mean it's it's sorting out a uh, I like Marcus Alonso sort out a, an issue I do like Marcus Alonso and I think Chelsea like that or Frank likes that wing back situation 
I do think Chilwell is a left back of the future, and I think that's where you where you're shored up now. And ultimately, at some point, someone like Aspilicueta is he is an aging fullback, and you are going to have to start figuring th- some things out. What's interesting as well is I I think they've agreed a 72 million price for Kai Havertz, the Bayer Leverkusen attacking midfielder as well. So they are going like full steam ahead with this Chelsea team that Frank wants and I think they're they're starting to create a bit of an atmosphere where there's some pressure on them to perform this year yeah which which I mean in the past hasn't exactly worked out particularly well for Chelsea no but you're not you don't sound sure of Chilwell ah do you think it's like not long enough performing well like we saw a bit like Luke Shaw yeah it's it's tough because if you leave him to mature for another year and he puts in a massive year then you could end up paying a whole lot more for him being priced out of him as well yeah but I mean I think the thing for Chelsea is he's probably got a lot of potential he's proven himself to a certain extent and he's young and I think they seem to be very much going down the 25 or younger route I think he's also good for their fans yeah like he's good for their fan base they like having someone they like having you know the kind of person that, that you know, Chilwell, he's an English guy, you know, yeah, nice down to earth, and that's what Chelsea wants I to agree. kind of create that image for themselves. And, um, I think potentially spending big on these foreign talents might have irked the fan base a little bit. Um, and it's nice to see them investing in English talent. Um, okay, then moving on, Dean Henderson has returned from his loan at Sheffield to United. And immediately signed a six-year, £120,000-a-week deal. Um, Sheffield pre- pre- prepared for this uh, by signing the Bournemouth goalkeeper, so they knew that he was going back there. But pretty amazing to go from Sheffield United you know, to Sheffield United on loan, do some pretty amazing things with Sheffield United, and come straight back and sign a deal making you one of the highest-paid keepers in history. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think... Um, I, the uh, Bournemouth goalkeeper was Aaron Ramsdale and I think they signed him for about 18 million um, so like uh, a, a, I suppose you would say a, a solid investment and probably a return but not quite to Henderson's level what it does for me is it speaks volumes to De Gea because there's no way you pay your backup goalkeeper 120 grand a week and he just sits there all year. I think there's going to be a. We start. We talk about starting, fighting for starting positions in the NFL quite frequently, and it's a regular thing. I think in Manchester this year, especially on the red side, you're going to see a massive battle for who decide who is their starting goalkeeper, and actually, do they stick with Henderson after a pretty decent year at Sheffield United? where him and Nick Pope were probably fighting for that that England starting job. Yeah, I disagree. I don't think there will be much competition. Really? I just don't think De Gea's got it. And actually, I think United might be better to cut bait on him earlier um, and get him out the door because they might get more of a reward for him. Yeah. But it's interesting. Where, yeah, I suppose it's interesting where you go now, isn't it? And... And everything like that, but yeah, no, fair enough. I think it's interesting when you have two good keepers. Yeah, 
Or one good keeper in David De Gea. Or two bad ones, like yeah. Mignolet and Karius. Uh, right, <laughs> speaking of Mignolet and Karius, let's move to um, what can only be described as the biggest game of the season, the Community Shield. <laughs> um, Arsenal, you know, August seems to suit Arsenal. Yeah. Two games, two trophies. Two trophies. <laughs> We're, you know, just on a, on a high. Uh, one five four on penalties. It was one all uh, after full time. Um, and Aubameyang looking happy. Apart from the moment, Did you, I don't know if you saw this. They actually ran out of winners' medals. So Aubameyang, because he was the captain and was going up last to get the trophy, didn't get a medal. I mean, he does get the big, big plate. He does he? get the so... big plate, but he was stood there <laughs> and going, "Where's my medal?" <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, like you know, not really a massive achievement. This is it. I mean. No, I think, you know, you like the way you sounded at the start, you sound like some Arsenal fans where I think Community Shield sometimes is a bit like the Champions League. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, and to everyone else, it's a bit like this is a pre-season game that's just been glorified a little bit, hasn't it? Got to and, take what you can get, though. No, 100%. It's another trophy that Spurs haven't won. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably yeah, over like 10,000 days now. Um, no, for sure. I think their first half, Arsenal looked very impressive against the... Uh, probably quite an average looking Liverpool team and then in the second half it was all Liverpool but actually didn't have that that finishing touch and I think you know what's quite interesting is I think the Premier League starts in two weeks so teams which is like a crazy crazy turnaround I mean I feel baggage after like two weeks on holiday so I don't know how they feel (laughs) um, right now Um, but yeah it's, it's it's funny I don't feel like we've stopped having Premier League football and we've we've almost got it back again. But like you said, it's for Arteta, it's a great start, and hopefully, it's another reason to keep Aubameyang in the building. Yeah. Okay, and then the uh, the last bit of football news beat we've got before we move on to the NFL. Um, north of the border this time, Celtic have been knocked out of the Champions League, losing two one at home to Hungarian Premier League side Ferenc Varos. Yeah. I mean, your only decision there was whether it's Ferenc or Ferenc, but I, I back you on either way. The has important it, has it got thing the is, little at the bottom of the uh, seat? We chef, don't know. Interesting. <laughs> but the, I think the important thing here is actually like it's it was a second round qualifying like stage, and and I think the only thing not that I want to make this a massive debate, but sometimes I think, especially I I know some Celtic fans that are very eager to get in with the conversation as to why people slate Celtic so often and do they belong like in the upper echelons of of British football teams and they've been so dominant and then actually should be putting that away on a rainy Tuesday night <laughs> you should be you should be putting that yeah away. no you should and I think like it's it's uh, it only damages their like their resume at the moment, even though it is a very good resume. Okay, and then moving on to the NFL now, and an interesting situation in Jacksonville. They seem to be, I mean, it's, what is it, tanking for Trevor? Yeah, I don't know if it's that. What's the other one? Failing for Fields? Maybe. And I don't think it's that either. Uh, do you think it's just incompetency, just making really, really bad decisions? I think it is just full rebuild. It's not a 
there's there's no there's no specific target here other than to completely clear house and start again and i think that's that's all it is like the 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 first bit of jaguar news of trading yannick and gokwe which happened a few days ago i can understand because he's been quite vocal in wanting to get out of jacksonville after they basically removed everybody else from that 2017 AFC Championship game. But actually then releasing Leonard Fournette, I just, that's where I scratch my head. I know, I think he has something like four million to make this year, but it's a bit like that to me, that doesn't sound like the amount, especially when you're about to sign probably more rookies than you ever have. Like what direction are you going in here? Like financially as well. Well, I mean, apparently, according to Doug Marone, they said they've been trying to shop him around since the early spring and they couldn't even get a sixth-round pick for him. Personally, I struggle to believe that. Do you think that's literally like teams just calling their bluff? That they know that he's going to be available, so why give anything up? True. I mean, it might well be. I, I mean, it just it seems like they are just trying to get rid of absolutely everyone. And relying on the fact that they've got Doug Marone who can make stuff happen. Yeah. I just don't think... It's not going to be a very happy year. It's a good year to not have many fans in the stadium. Yeah, it's a good year to not... But also, like, Jacksonville is not a big market. There's a lot of talk of them moving the team over to the UK. Yeah. You know, obviously the NFL has invested in... Spurs' new football stadium over here so it's like a joint football NFL venue because you can wheel the football pitch out and there's the American football pitch below it different levels you know is this going to be the start of the Jaguars moving out of Jacksonville because I mean no one's going to want to go and watch this team play no yeah I completely agree the only thing that I and I don't like I feel the only the phrase that comes to mind is the one from Thor Ragnarok, where it's another day, another Doug. Because yeah. I feel sorry for Doug right now, because he's okay. He's got absolutely nothing to work with this year. You're not going to have any Minshew mania, are you? And actually, okay, great. You've got four picks inside the first two rounds in 2021, but that's not going to suddenly turn your season around. Just bringing four rookies in, actually, that won't have played football in well over 12 months come the time so actually I think it's yeah it's just a bit of a shambles and almost you hope that going to the UK might help them but actually I'm not sure there are many American footballers that would want to move to the UK no I think the the thing that um, I think the thing that everyone's doing potentially in Jacksonville is looking to what Miami did last year at the start of the season Everyone was essentially saying that Miami looked like a college team out there playing against pros. Yeah, they were so mismatched; it was unbelievable. And I think it says a lot to Brian Flores's coaching ability. hundred percent. To be able to turn that team into a competitive football team with the state of the roster that he had, it looks like Jacksonville are hoping that lightning's going to strike twice, and um, I highly doubt it will. Yeah, I, I hope for Dougie Doug that that's the case. But but yeah, it's an uphill battle 
is is putting it nicely, I think. Okay, and then now we've got to turn our attention to the NBA playoffs. Um, the players, the first thing we've got to talk about really is the Jacob Blake shooting that we discussed last week in the podcast. Players have returned to play, but they said that they are going to hold their owners accountable to the decisions and the discussions that were had um, in the aftermath of the boycott. Um the NBA has come up with social justice initiatives with its players and are going to work with the owners and the players to implement them, you know, throughout the the coming months. Yeah, 100%. And I think this is great. I think there's a lot of, not outside influence, but I think there are a lot of important phone calls made to people like Colin Kaepernick, Barack Obama, you know, people of that echelon in social rights and human rights and social justice um, and it's it's great that they're using the organization to do the right thing i just we i think we all just hope that it it materializes into concrete actions oh yeah for sure um but okay then let's 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 turn our attention towards the basketball then um the lakers beat the trailblazers in game five to get the series win 4-1 uh the lakers will face the winners of the houston rockets and the oklahoma city thunder it's 3-2 at the moment to the houston rockets because they won game five game six is going to be at 2 a.m on tuesday morning so two at 2 a.m this morning so by the time you're listening to this you will already know the result unless you get up at about 3 a.m when the podcast goes out and you're watching it as the game goes on. So, I mean, credit to you if that's... If, shout out to you if that's what you're doing yeah. right now. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it could be interesting if the uh, if the Rockets manage to win that because, again, like, with James Harden playing how he is, oh, yeah. he could make the Lakers-Rockets series quite interesting. I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting series anyway. It's almost a shoot-to-shoot kind of series, and like you expect the, you know, yeah, it to just be a real, a real uh, showdown. I think with Westbrook now back for the Rockets as well, that that adds another dynamic to their offense, um, and a lot of energy. And yeah, boy, it's going to be exciting. I hope for the basketball sense. I hope it's the Rockets because I think that would be a better series versus the Lakers. However, I do think the OKC deserve almost to be to make it further because we didn't expect them to be this far anyway and they had the better record than the Rockets in the regular season so yeah I mean fair game um, okay moving on we discussed last time that the Heat had already won their series um, but the Milwaukee Bucks won their game 5 against the Orlando Magic to complete the series win 4-1 so they will play the Miami Heat on Monday night, so last night. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, again, I can't see Miami stopping the Bucks. I do, I do think that we've got to the point now where the one seeds are settled in. Yeah, I agree. I think we've seen over like the last three games with the Lakers, LeBron and AD look spot on. 
and I think the books now look like the team that they were during the regular season. And I think whilst they will have, they'll be quite, uh, what's the word? It's been a, a week of a lot of emotions and I think they will, they will be drained because of that. But I also think it will spur them on a little bit um, to do, to do more. Okay, and then the Clippers have beaten the Mavericks in Game 6. Um, so they, they've they completed their series win. They're through to the next round. Um, Kawhi Leonard, essentially vintage Kawhi, really. Uh, you know, this was, this was a display that, you know, not that he has any critics, but silenced the critics. Yeah, 100%. I think we... There have been a few close games with the Mavs and actually we kind of wondered like, well, who will the Clippers turn to when it comes to needing something big? And he almost had those, like the vintage, you know, MJ hands on his knees, he gives that devilish look. LeBron had the same one, Kobe had the same one. Kawhi looked like that, that this was his fourth quarter and he was going to make sure that the Clippers made it over the line and, and did that. But like... All credit, I think, goes to Doncic, Luka Doncic, and the the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, because I think if if you'd asked, if you told us before uh, the bubble, before lockdown, that um, the Clippers against the Mavericks would be an interesting six game series, we'd probably have laughed at you a little bit. Yeah. Um, and 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 as we've mentioned before, like you know, Luka Doncic, age twenty one. That is the future of basketball, yeah. and it's very bright. So uh, he'll be back in these kind of situations, and we're not worried about him. Okay, then moving on to um, our seven, our you know our series that's going to this game seven. The Denver Nuggets have forced a game seven against the Utah Jazz. Um, Jamal Murray, fifty points. Uh, last three games, he scored fifty, forty-two, and then fifty again. Um, and a battle with Donovan Mitchell, who scored 44. I mean, it's just two young players who are stepping up to the plate here. Yeah, I and agree. It's, again, like we keep talking about how exciting it is for the NBA going forward. But it is. it does feel like one of those moments where we're almost sat, sat at the... You know they say like you never know the good times when you're in the good times. Yeah. It feels like they're about to start because we've got so much young and dynamic talent coming into the NBA that's so captivating for everyone to watch that, I mean, I'm just excited to watch every game of basketball that comes on. 100%. I don't know if this bubble period has actually just shown us what Jamal Murray has kind of potentially always been like. He wasn't obviously on the scoring form that he's been on as of late, but... Denver isn't a big market team and I think if he's in a big market team he's probably on all the billboards like probably doing stuff with Nike etc and I think that you know we've really come to appreciate how much of a like good player he is and bordering on on superstar um and you know yeah there's not many times you score 44 and get outplayed um, and this game seven, I think there's been like 138 game, 138 game sevens, and they've all probably been quite special. And I think this one's, especially in recent times, going to be one of the more special ones. Okay, and then moving on to a team that 
Um, I don't think was in any danger of going to a game seven is the Toronto Raptors. I mean, they've been absolutely dominant in the bubble so far. They swept Brooklyn in the first round. They've only lost once in the bubble. Um, and they lost again today, though, you know, against the Celtics. Um, the Celtics, you, you picked them to go to... To yeah. go to the finals, didn't you? I think they 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 match up really well with the Raptors. I think Tatum, Jalen Brown, they just they just they're long, and I think the Raptors are quite where where the Celtics are long. The Raptors are short. Kyle Lowry quite short. Fred Van Van Fleet quite short. So actually, Tatum and Brown just they always look like they have that extra space and that extra step on the Raptors and I think that look like you said I think the Raptors are 11 and 1 before this game one of the semi-finals in the Eastern Conference and that one loss was to the Celtics in that game the Celtics led wire to wire in this game the Celtics led wire to wire and actually in that bubble game they were well the regular season bubble game they were up as many as 40 they were up as many as 25 at times in this game one I think there has to be some form of adjustment for the Raptors in order to make sure that this actually ends up being competitive because it didn't look that way in game one. If you're you're the Raptors, are you worried that potentially the Celtics are your kind of kryptonite? Because now, okay, now you've lost two. Yeah. And the only two you've lost after the Celtics. Yeah. And if it... If that, if that, you know, if they lose again, does this start becoming a story of like, okay, the Raptors can beat almost everyone, but they just can't beat the Celtics? Potentially, I think every team has one. Every team has a team that you think, gosh, you do not match up well with them, and the Celtics are the only. And it's not often this is a positive, but the only positive I would say for the Raptors is that they shot quite poorly. They only had Kyle Lowry with more... He was the only Raptors player with more than 15 points. He had 17. I think Van Vliet shot like 3 for 11 from 3. That's not a typical night. Whether that's because the Celtics match up well on defence as well is a thing to be seen, I think, in Game 2. But you'd hope that they would start to put some more points up and actually make it a bit more competitive because... Yeah can be interesting though isn't it I think like we kind of thought the Raptors I think most people thought the Raptors and the books were on their way for a bit of a conference finals and that was everything in between was going to be like a foregone conclusion but it's nice that actually the semi-finals are definitely going to five if the Raptors win yeah I think it I think the quality that the Raptors have I think it you know, in some ways, it's unlikely they lose twice, and I think it might well be impossible they lose three times. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they they come out and absolutely storm the Celtics to put you know set the record straight because this has got everyone talking, and mm. the best way to shut them up is to just go out there and absolutely dominate from wire to wire. Uh, uh, yeah, I tell you who this does do a. a a slight favour for is Kawhi. Because since he let... I'm not... I am a fan of Kawhi, but I won't ever be his biggest fan because 
I don't think he's anywhere near the level of LeBron James. And I think sometimes he gets shoved in that conversation with LeBron and Durant where he doesn't belong, perhaps. But we've said that since Kawhi left, the Raptors don't look like they've missed a step. And last night was kind of... Or Sunday night, sorry, was was the first time we kind of saw the Raptors miss Kawhi and miss someone who could go and get his and carry everyone else. Right, so thank you very much for listening to that episode of the J-Rod Sports Pod. Now, as I mentioned at the start, we've obviously got the tour episodes coming out every night. And tomorrow, we will be uh, having the J-Rod F1 pod with our special guest host, Sam Corsi, coming out as well. So lots to look forward to. But until then, please make sure that you subscribe, follow us on social media, and let us know if there's anything you want to hear.